The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about this show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. It is always invited to join the discussion on Twitter and uh, the hashtags are CTR Live and look for this show as hashtag leadership. So the topic today is managing relationships, politics, and image. Our guests for today's show are Terry Pennington, who's the Deputy CIO with City of Austin, Texas. Hey, Terry, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, honor is always ours. I have so much fun listening to your comments. So, And we also have John Baldoni, Chair of Leadership Development Firm and to Growth, a global leadership advisory from, and he's also the author of 13 books. Uh, newest is Moxie, The Secret to Bold and Gutsy Leadership. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, welcome. <clears throat> Thank you for inviting me again. Happy to be here. Yeah, so, so you are on a roll, huh? 13 books and the newer one out there. Yep. Um, keep turning them off. Uh, keep turning them off. I keep turning them out, but I'm, I'm taking a little hiatus right now. So, All from right. book writing. Yeah. yeah, so so we, we got you on the show here talking about leadership yet again. And so uh, the first thing that we wanted to, to say here is that we have done shows on, okay, how um, a leader can become a better leader, and we have given tips, and I'm sure there are many other resources available. The question still remains is that even though the resources are there, um, people are not able to showcase. Very uh, A lot of people, a lot of leaders or who are supposed to be in the leadership position are not demonstrating the level of non-technology skills and competencies which are in a way required for an ITCXO to really hold ground and get things done. So is that inability? It is ignorance or uh, what what is causing it? So we wanted to explore that with that uh, mindset to say, okay, let's uh, dig a little deeper. So that said, uh, Terry, when you look at the type of environment that we are in now versus uh, in the past, we know that technology expertise to some extent would be required uh, for you to do the job, but perhaps there are many other uh, non-tech skills and competencies. So if you were to take the top three or four, which ones would those be which you definitely need in order for it to be successful in the role? Well, I think the, the only one that I think is really hugely important is communication. And I think one of the things that you have is you have these incredibly geeky people who start out looking at minutiae or looking at the details, and you want them to do that. They get promoted up through the ranks, and then all of a sudden they're in this position where they're dealing with the business, they're trying to move the organization strategically, and that communica- those communication skills are just so important. And they're like a fish out of water. And so developing those skills, now some people have it naturally, but it's not to say that you can't develop them. And um, I, th- I think it's really important to be able to speak at the right level. I will give you an example I used to live in Japan, and I spoke Japanese, and one of the things I had to be incredibly careful about is if I spoke Japanese to another foreigner, I had to speak it at the right level. If I dumbed it down too much, it was insulting. But if I spoke and used words that were too complicated, then it was overwhelming. And frequently, IT leaders do the same thing. You have to figure out a way to communicate at the right level so that you have that understanding but it is not condescending. 
So that's a great point. So John, when you look at it and, and you are a little removed, I'm sure you've dealt with IT leaders before, but when you look at top leadership traits which are not connected to a specific trade skill someone has, which ones would you inventory as the top ones? Well, I love Terry's story about speaking Japanese. That's a wonderful metaphor for um, uh, tech talk. Um, you have to understand your audience. I'm going to second what she said about communication, but I'm going to add two different dimensions. Part of communication is not simply speaking, it's listening. And I think many people by nature in, in HR, or excuse me, in IT, may be introverts. So they are natural listeners. However, I'm not sure they're listening to the right things. They're not um, dissecting it. They're not understanding uh, the real situation. So the other part of communication is observation. And uh, asking about the technology, how will it be used? And observation goes to uh, an example of looking at how um, a program or utility or whatever will be used in the workplace. There's a wonderful company here. I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. There's a wonderful company here, uh, Menlo Innovation. Uh, the founder is Rich Sheridan. And they have a novel way of developing uh, an IT firm. One of the ways they develop applications is to invite users in at the gestation stage so that programmers are working hand-in-hand, hand, or at least on a regular basis, with the ultimate users or the client, so they will see how an application will be used. So they'll see that with their, what they're doing in code uh, translates to user function or not user function. So I think it's a combination of, of speaking, of course, as Terry so eloquently said, but it's also listening and observation. So uh, you both spoke about listening and um, you know speaking as as a way of communicating, but we also communicate when we do something versus not do something in a given situation. That intelligence, that discretion, Terry, how much do you value that in in the way uh, somebody may have a gift of the gab, but their action speaks louder than words. Do you think uh, the IT leaders or perhaps people in that position are guilty of such, um, you know, the actions which are not timely or they did not do something that they were supposed to do it? Well, certainly there's an analysis paralysis that happens all over the place. Um, I obviously work in the government, and one of the things that I try to get across to my staff is not doing something is a decision. And by you not doing whatever it is or not making that decision, a decision has already been made. You know, maybe you've decided, yeah, I'm going to put off putting, making this purchase. Well, somebody else has then made a purchase because you didn't act, you didn't talk to the customer, you didn't find out what the true business need was. Now, all of a sudden, they've taken upon themselves and made a decision. This happens all over the place. And so I really want people to be make conscious decisions, and understand that not making a decision is a decision. And so not to shy away from it simply because it, it seems hard, but, you know, sometimes those non-decisions are also harder than making the decision. So keep that in mind as well. So, John, and, and I'm not sure how much of IT-related trends you may be following, but we do see that IT um, leadership and their department does not I mean, while they say IT is important for the business and even business recognizes it, but it seems there is always a struggle when you're trying to build respect for the IT organization and um, the, the leaders see an inability or, or they fall short on, in terms of being able to influence the stakeholders so that the way they want to get things done, not finding just their way, but the right way, that's what they understand that that's how IT will create value. They are not able to do it. So where is this, you know, not being able to get the respect and not being able to influence coming from? I think part of it, uh, Terry raised a good point, decisiveness is important. I think IT people um, need to be more proactive. They need to sell what they do, to sell the power of their services. And it doesn't mean that they, you know, uh, every, not every gee whiz uh, bang technology is valid, but they need to, rather than react to a situation, be more problem solvers in a proactive sense. So, for example, 
when they see an obstacle or a bottleneck in an organization, is there an IT solution? Be upfront about that. And I think so often IT people are, um, while men, uh, CIOs have earned a place at the strategy table, um, a lot of folks are still, they hang back. So it's, it's important to understand the business or the organization. What is it we do and how can IT further our strategic intention so that we fulfill our mission? And I think a lot of IT people, as many people, it happens in finance, it happens in logistics, it happens in marketing, work in silos. So I think we need to be, have a more cross-functional understanding of function to function. One other thing that is useful, I've seen an ITO, excuse me, a CIO that I work with, is uh, build a discipline around project management, real professional project managers who can bring things uh, on time and on budget. Uh, and many times, whether these people have an IT background or not, at least they have a discipline of project management. That may be addressed part of what Terry's talking about, of being decisiveness. Because you have a good project management team, they get things done. And so that's another thing to consider. You know, so, John, uh, you bring up that, that silo mentality. And I have a, a great example of that, which kind of goes back your earlier comments about, you know, um, how is the, the application being used. We had a situation where somebody was an executive in an office where they had monitors on one wall and they were putting up a new monitor for their guests. You know, they had a little round table in their office. So the tech people come in and they set it up so they have Bluetooth that goes from the PC that's facing the wall away from this other monitor. Well, they set it up so that it was a second monitor and So, you know, the person would have to be sitting at the desk with their back to the other monitor to use it. And it's just like, well, did you sit and look at how this was supposed to be used? So from the technical person's point of view, it works fine. You know, look, it works. Look, you can turn it on, put stuff over there. But from the user's point of view, it's useless. You know, they're not going to be able to keep turning around to see the darn thing, to put anything up there. And, you know, from the, I I think the tech guys, they're sitting there going, well, I have thousands of tickets, I'm overworked, you know, there needs to be some customer engagement, and I can kind of get that, but there needs to be that little extra step, that little extra understanding of where the customer is coming from to see how the technology is being used so that you can actually use the darn thing. And I think that's where we're falling short, and that's where those reputations for getting things done starts to slide down. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, We'll ride back and hold your thought, uh, John, here. We'll be right back after this break and uh, discuss this further. This is getting interesting. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, John, you had a comment to add to uh, Terry's uh, response. Well, right. And, and what Terry said, is, it's a great example. It happens thousands of times, probably happens every day. I'm going to flip it back. That's a management issue. That's a fact that CIOs or whoever's in charge has not communicated 
um, how a product will be used, nor has communicated to the tech. So he or she just does it their way. They're overwhelmed, and they just get in and get out. And um, so it's up to the IT management to stand up for their people as well as educate them. And the part of this, and I circle back to what I was talking about being proactive, is to be more enthusiastic about technology. Talk about the capacity and what you can do. I don't mean part of it's blowing your own horn, but stop being in the shadows all the time. Now, there's two kinds of IT, or five kinds, whatever Terry will correct me. There's the kind of IT that, you know, it's the lights on, and it goes wrong, and everybody notices you. But there's the other kind, uh, that's your infrastructure. But there's other things, new tech solutions that are always emerging. I think CIOs need to get ahead of that, educate um, their, the workforce, uh, both internally and externally and cross-functionally, so people understand that the possibilities of technology. So I think IT has a bad rap, and part of it uh, is in, is its own fault for maybe lack of communication, lack of respect, things like that. But also, it doesn't celebrate its own achievements, its own ability to do things, and its own ability to be problem solvers enough. So I'd like to see CIOs be a little bit more proactive in that regard. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to argue a little bit with you here, John. The, one of the problems that we have is that when you're deploying an application, you have to deploy it for thousands of people and have it work so that you're not overwhelming people with problems. To do that, you can't just turn it on tomorrow. That takes time. And, and I like to think about it as, you know, you can drive to Boston, uh, Massachusetts, just with your car and not have a whole lot of, you know, effort in doing that. But if you're going to send 100,000 people on a daily basis to Boston and back and do it with the lowest possible total cost of ownership, that's going to take more effort. That's going to take a longer time frame. And that's something that I think that, you know, the overall organization doesn't really understand. They know when it doesn't work. But this idea that we're going to be able to get proactive out in front of every single technology and get it all deployed as fast as the customers want, it's just unrealistic. No, Terry, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, I'm just coming off of, uh, a, uh, I have a small, in, my, in our business, our email server has been up and down the last week, and that's pretty simple to solve, but there, everything that could go wrong, good wrong good, did go wrong, but that's a pretty simple thing, uh, and I can only imagine when you have 1,000 people or 10,000 people, whatever. So I think, but part of that is um, I, I want you to, I think that sometimes um, CIOs may be setting false expectations. They need to talk about uh, doing things that it's not going to be a matter of pulling a light switch. Uh, educate people that, hey, this is going to be a little bit of a hiccup, but we'll be there to help you. All of these kinds of things. Do customers want to hear that? Do your internal customers want to hear that? No, but at least you're leveling with them and you're setting expectations. Maybe you're lowering the bar, but then when a problem does strike, it's a, you can, when you offer a realistic solution, they're more prepared for it. So that's part of it as well. Yeah, so, and I think there's um, times when IT just needs to get out of the way. If you can set up a good security program and you can set up good infrastructure and good platforms as a service, you can get to a point where you have users who are more advanced than others. You know, you can let them go and, and let those that innovation happen without being, you know, this controlling monolith of everything when it comes to IT. And I think that's the, really the goal here. So, I mean, I heard, and this is a great uh, dialogue we had just now. Now, the question here is that some of us or many of us have been thinking about these areas, about being proactive, to your point, John, or putting project management in place. So we have been at it, and, and we still see the things are not uh, happening to a level that we want. So my listeners would be sitting there scratching their head to say, okay, these guys are talking about things that I've tried. And, and since they have tried is that the way they tried is is always the problem is there something else that's missing which either as a leader you're trying certain things at the top level and then you send a message out to your troops they behave in a certain manner is there a disconnect in what you thought you're doing 
versus what actually gets done at that operational level, is that what is uh, causing us to not get the respect or not being able to create influence? So Terry, since you live this every day, and if we, if we are dealing with this problem, so is this that profound that we are not even able to point finger on it? You know, I think one of the things that IT people in general don't do well is getting out and making professional relationships with other areas of the company. This helps in a number of ways. The first is just understanding about, you know, in our case, what is public works doing? What is the transportation department doing? How are those traffic lights actually being changed so that, you know, maybe I can help guide them to another solution or a better solution or just tweak this? Um, and I think it's really getting out there and having those relationships, but you need them before you have a problem. So you can't just have the relationship once, you, you know, things start crashing around, around everybody. You need to proactively go out, you know, have lunch, have those relationships, and then when, when things go well, you have an avenue to celebrate your, your successes. But also, when things don't go well, you have the ability to understand where they're coming from, where we're coming from, and say, you know, look, I know Saturday's a big day for you. We're going to do everything we can to get you up for Saturday, but I need you, I need you to be down on Friday. Okay, that works for both of us. And I think having that relationship is a way to build brand. It's a way to build understanding. And I think it's something that IT folks just don't do enough. So, John, when you look at uh, like all the different books that you've written and you're a thinker, when you look at relationship building, uh, that relationship building has to be built at all levels within the organization for that organization to get the respect or organization to get the influence on other stakeholders. As a leader, imagine the level of uh, maturity in terms of the way they handle people and the way they think. A leader at the top may be having uh, a greater success at building relationships, but perhaps the, the reports or the people at the very operational level may not be as mature or they may not be having that success. So how do you get relationship, that's the one pillar, out of the well, way or, or can address it? Well, I think uh, Terry hit the nail on the head. It's, it's building that relationship and how do you do it. I would, I would look at, I would advise IT or C, CIO people to look at organizations, uh, look at the HR model. Once upon a time, HR was a monolithic organization. Many large organizations now are over a certain size have, have HR partners. So they're working with different functions. There's an HR person for marketing. There's an HR person for operations, whatever. And I think many IT organizations that I see do the same thing. That fosters, then you have the infrastructure that fosters relationships. So if I'm an IT person and I'm working in logistics, I'm, a, I'm in part of IT, but I work every day with people in logistics so I know their problem. I am part of their team. And that's where you build, build that relationship and where you understand that their problems. And you can be proactive because you know the problem. As Terry said, I know what your problem is, and here's an IT solution for you. So it's that. So relationship building and, and, and um, gets into the idea of understanding. So business, many IT people may be deficient in understand, have the business acumen and understand the mission of the organization. What is it we need to do? What is it we're trying to do? And then once you understand that, then you can connect the dots for how IT can be a solution if it needs to be involved at all. And I'm all, I'm all for Terry's uh, idea about IT getting out of the way, but it can't get out of the way unless it has the infrastructure to provide the service that its customers need on a regular basis. So, Terry, since you live this, what do you think? How do you rate the, the way we focus and invest towards relationships in our, in, in, in our respective roles? And, and, and is there a problem in the way we do it? Well, I think it's interesting. What I'm seeing now is, is being, having that business acumen that John was talking about, the IT staff that is being promoted up into the executive ranks, they're just not getting that, that integration with the businesses. Uh, part of it's communication, part of it's listening, part of it's just not, not having the skill development. So what's happening is they're hiring non-IT people to lead IT organizations. 
And so they want that communication. They want that business focus. But that's also causing other issues. So, you know, I think it's interesting. You can do that as long as you have a certain amount of technical expertise all up and down the management chain. If you have too many non-IT people at the top, then you get this big disconnect with the overall organization, and then you really start having some execution problems. So you, you're saying that the business leaders who come in who bring the domain expertise, if they are able to relate better with the business, other stakeholders, they're, of course, more likely to be accepted. And if those people are part of your team versus the leaders who are only supposed to do what they want, then that would be an issue. So this, this seems like that you have to fundamentally rethink the organization in terms of what's the mix of people who purely come from business versus people from technology, while the department itself is information technology. So now that brings up another issue that that could create challenges in the way uh, a business leader who comes from business things and the person who is within the organization, within the IT organization, the way they think. So, so John, if I were to give you people who come from two different domains and have them work together and have the interpersonal uh, skills develop, the interplay, the team building, what would you see, already foresee the challenges and how would somebody remove those? Well, I think you have to look. I mean, this happens every day. Look at healthcare. Um, healthcare is managed by management professionals. Sometimes there is a physician by background in charge who may be the CIO of a healthcare system or CEO of a healthcare system. But very often that person is a professional manager. But it's you let doctors and medical people call the shots related to uh, care of patient, palliative care, therapy, all of those things. So the same model applies to IT. If you're going to bring in non-IT people, you set boundaries, and um, you let the IT people control what they do best, and you let the manager, uh, non-IT manager, non-IT background manager, do what he does, he or she does best, and that's run the business. So it's simply an, a respect for and understanding of one another's areas of expertise. Will there be disagreements? Yes. How do you solve your disagreements? Two ways, understand the mission, what is it we're trying to do, and live your values. What are the values of your organization as they relate to service and commitment and service to customers, service to employees, service to stakeholders? Understanding that, that's where you can make those decisions, not between right and wrong, but the two rights. How do we do it the most effectively? Understanding the mission and understanding the value proposition. That's how you solve disputes. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Terry, I'd like to uh, uh, explore the area where we see on one hand we need to be able to get the managers to listen to us, which to some extent is uh, the leadership, you know, like, like a Pied Piper who actually somebody respects and is in awe and, and really feels that you can take them in the right direction. On the other hand, you also want to be able to manage up, which is the stakeholders. So here, while you, are, you may be a leader, but just that leadership set of qualities, would that allow you to also manage down and up? What would that mix be, or what are those essential traits required to do this successfully? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Joke All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. 
That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Terry, if we are looking on one hand to be able to come across as a Pied Piper, a true leader, and then get everybody from a, from a management standpoint, your management or direct reports to be able to support you in whatever you're trying to accomplish. On the other hand, you also have to manage up. Are these two different skills or variations of the same skill? Is this politi- political acumen? What, what, that, what is it? What, what's that poppery that you need to have? Well, I was thinking of several different ways of answering your question. I, I think in the city of Austin, we are, by definition, a political organization. I mean, any way you look at it, our board of directors is our city council, and they've been elected, and they're doing what their constituents want them to do. And I think everybody has a story about how government is, in, uh, is ineffective, ineffective and doesn't get things done. A wise woman once told me, don't try to change the system, master it. And, you know, it would be great to go and fix everything that's wrong with government, but at the end of the day, I think our citizens want us to get something done. And so my goal is to figure out how best to do that. And I sort of think of it as puzzles. There are puzzle pieces with the the staff that works for me. There are puzzle pieces for the stakeholders that I work with. And there's these relationships that you develop with the individual contributors in your in your organization, as well as with executive leaders across the city, in my case. And I think it's really important to make sure that you have those relationships, both up and down, so that you understand where people are coming from, so that you can use the information that you get to further the entire organization along. You know, if I know, for instance, that there's a big push for uh, minority participation in every kind of purchase that we make, then I can start steering my staff early to get that in our purchases so that they can happen at a quicker pace, which would make me more effective so I can go to the stakeholder and say, look, we got this purchase done in record time, but it was only because I knew that that was a political change in the organization. So I think it's that kind of relationship building both up and down, really help you be effective. And I think at the end of the day, everybody wants to create value. And if you can do that, then I think you're going to have some good allies all over the organization. How much of politics, the good form of politics, John, uh, a leader must play or, or leverage in order to be able to achieve both goals, which is to be able to get managerial support from the reports and also be able to manage stakeholders and get the things done with no malintent, but for the best for the uh, for the best of the organization. Well, I think Terry said it best. Uh, learn to master the system. Politics, and, and let's forget about Washington uh, because that's a horrible example right now. Politics is really the art of the possible. How do you get? Um, people to agree on a common purpose and go together for a common cause. That's the art of politics in its best way. So uh, it comes to, when you use the term managing up, managing up is really sort of doing things for your boss. I wrote a book on this topic. I called it Leading Up, the Subtle Art of Managing Your Boss. Leading Up is a proposition which Terry talked about, is understanding the mission uh, vision, mission, and values of your organization. Where are we headed? What do we want to achieve? And what are we trying to deliver? And what holds us together? When you understand that from an IT perspective, then you have a greater understanding of how IT fits into the picture. And once you do, then you can begin to communicate how it is you will solve issues. Um, also, part of uh, the politic process is understanding what individuals in people in positions of authority want. What are their hot buttons? Is it cutting costs? Is it serving constituents? Is it uh, getting their name in the paper? Whatever it is, those are the levers that you pull when you pitch an idea. If you know your boss is all about cost cutting, you demonstrate the cost efficiency of your program. If your boss is all about getting his or her name in the paper, then you show how your idea will help them look like they're doing a good job. 
That's the art of politics, but it's the understanding of leading up so that you serve the organizational need and get things done, as Terry said, but you serve the mission and uh, in a positive way. Would you think that somebody would uh, misunderstand that to be manipulative, where well, you're manipulating someone? Uh, it's not manipulating. It's it, it's show. It, it's doing what you can do. It's really what you're going to talk about is influence. Leadership is influence. How do you lead others to where you want them to go? That's very difficult. It cannot always be done. Um, but it's showing them an alternative, arguing your case, and you're essentially leading without authority. You're doing your best proposition. You're arguing your case on the facts and on the value proposition that your, um, your, the, the other party has so that you put the best face, the best, you make the best case for what it is you want to achieve. And I think so, manipulative implies that I'm going to get my way over yours. And I think the goal here is to get the entire organization to move forward in the direction that the leadership wants it to move forward. So I'm not adhering to my agenda. I'm trying to further the entire company's agenda and therefore your agenda. So I think there's a little different way of looking at it when you're managing up. And and to that, would you think, uh, on one hand, we say we need to be an authentic leader. On the other hand, you have to know what to say, what not to say, sometimes shut up, other times be vocal. Does that allow you to be authentic, Terry? Absolutely. I mean, you need to take a look at the, or, at the situation and decide how best to have that conversation. You know, everybody's different, and you need to speak to your audience. You know, you may have a, a very casual conversation. You may use different words than if you're standing in front of a council meeting, and there's nothing wrong with that. You do that all the time. You have a different conversation with the waiter than you do with your banker. And, there's again, there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to be appropriate in your communication. So coming back leadership, to you again, Terry, about the... Let me, ju- let me jump in. Leadership is an act. And anybody who is a leader who is not an actor is not serving his organization. There's a big discussion in leadership journals now about authenticity. Once it was the holy grail. Now a lot of folks are throwing stones at it, and rightly so. But you need, as Terry said, you need to understand who it is you're, you're uh, communicating with so you put your best foot forward. For example, introverts. Uh, the concept that a, a, a senior leader must be an extrovert is nonsense. I've worked with lots of introverts who are CEO, CIO, CEO, CIOs, and the reason is they've learned how to act ex- as extroverts when the situation calls for it. Are they being inauthentic? Well, perhaps they are, but they're being they're serving the organization. They're doing what the organization needs it to be. So, yeah, leadership is an act. It's not a false act. It's not a dissembling act, but it's an act. And you serve your people by doing what's necessary. And part of that is assuming that your leadership persona, which is your, is your authentic to yourself, your values and your convictions. But the way you phrase things, the way you parse things, the way you present yourself will vary from situation to situation. That's not inauthentic. It's being realistic. So. All right. Great, great input here. Now, I'll just like to touch on politics again, John. So we spoke about politics as if the person himself, the leader himself or herself has to embrace politics, but in a positive way so that they can get things done. But there is a lot more politics that may be happening, which is not happening with the right intention of the organization in mind. How do you prevent that from taking roots? So, Because that's your job as well. So there would be people well, you, who would like to sabotage the agendas of which, which otherwise would have helped an organization. But, but then your, your duty is to be able to prevent those as well. How do you do that? Well, you may not be able to. You control what you can control. And it gets back to the idea of what is, uh, of, um, of, look at the idea of patience. Patience is an active process. It's not a passive process. We do not control events. We simply control how we react to them. 
So you put your agenda forward. You argue for it. If someone is going to sabotage it, you stick up for your case. But if that person, that saboteur or whatever, isn't going to agree with you, you do what you can do, and you can control what you can control. You're professional at all times. You don't uh, lash out. You stay on the high road. As hard as that may be, you act the role of the professional, even when others are not acting professional. So that's the challenge. And Terry probably has far more experience in this than I do, and I'd defer to her on her comment. Yeah, so, so Terry would you know, be great for you to I get... I don't know anyone who thinks that they are actively sabotaging somebody else. Isn't that interesting? And yet I'm sure it happens every day. So, well, when let's, you... let's, not, let's, take it, let's take it away from pejorative. Let's take the pejorative out of it in the sense of someone has a different agenda. It might be if I'm the, if I'm the CFO and I'm on a mandate to cut costs, and you're the IT person, you need to increase capacity, there is going to be a difference of, of opinion uh, and ideas about what monies you can spend. So that the CFO is not sabotaging you. He's simply not giving you permission. So you need to make your case the best way possible. Ultimately, the CFO has the final word. So if you put through a new process, or excuse me, a new hire, a new hiring thing, or a new technology that you want, and there isn't the budget for it, you don't act like, and you argue strenuously or are professionally about it. If your decision is turned down for budgetary reasons, you don't cry and take, pick up your marbles and go home. Yeah, okay, <laughs> let's live another day. So that's what I, I, that's I, part of what I'm talking about. I completely agree. At the end of the day, we all work for somebody. And it might be the shareholders, it might be the citizens, but at the end of the day, somebody makes a decision. As long as I had the right information, I am good with it. i got plenty to do. You want me to do A versus B? I'm okay with that. And I completely agree. There's a lot of people who personalize it, and they take their marbles, and they go on home, and then all of a sudden you've got this baggage that you get to carry to the office every day, and that's no fun. That's right. I mean, I think, Terry, you get to a really important point, and I think that sometimes you use, I like the way you use baggage. Every organization has that. Every people, I mean, people, and I think maybe IT, some, if they've been beaten up a few times or turned down or kicked around, kicked around unnecessarily, uh, no one deserves to be kicked. I mean, all of that. But if, if that IT has a bad rep, if you're always carrying that chip on your shoulder or that baggage, it does make it very difficult to do your job. And that's where uh, the, the CIO needs to be the champion of his uh, or her people and say, you know, stick up for what they are doing. Celebrate the wins. Uh, take the losses um, and, as a professional and move forward. And you're right. Living and, and your attitude, um, what you just expressed, Terry, is what every – manager uh, needs to communicate to his or her people on a regular basis. So that, that's a great, uh, a great statement that you said. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about image. So we did talk about politics. We did talk about relationship. We, to some extent, said we have to portray the right image. And it, it's all, it could almost be like PR. So it's not that bad things are not happening or we may not be losing a few wars, but that doesn't mean... Um, we should not create on an ongoing basis and a positive image because a lot of uh, what gets accepted is because we feel that the, this organization or, or a sub-organization, which is IT, is trying to do the right thing. How do you go about doing it? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, John, from your perspective, how important is image, which is, uh, you know, not exactly falsifying what true situation is, but PR and image development for an organization such as IT and for the leaders? Well, image is a reflection of competency. And if there's incompetency or perceived incompetency, then you will have a poor image. If you have If you're a competent organization and people know and trust you, you will have a positive image. Um, I think the challenge becomes is how do we project our best foot forward? The way to do that is not simply spin everything, but to take ownership of failures as you take ownership of success. And when people know that you own the problem, your own, or their problem as it relates to IT, they have respect for you. And from respect comes a more sense, a stronger sense of positivity. That's how I would look at it. I'll defer to Terry on that. Sure. So, Terry, from your standpoint, what is a good or a bad image for IT? How would you have defined it? Well, I think in a lot of ways, the IT organization, you know, these are tech guys. They don't really tech guys and girls or women, what, however you want to put it. Uh, but, you know, their job is not to be writing <clears throat> press releases. And this idea that they would be writing something that would become a press release just seems weird to them. And so there's not a lot of effort made on, you know, doing the wins. There's just, you know, a huge backlog, so many projects coming through, Typically, when you have a success, it's like right on to the next thing. And it's so important for management, the the rest of the company, to see a balanced view. I mean, I'm going to be the first person to stand up and say, yes, we screwed up if there's a failure. Because most likely, if there is a failure, everybody knows it. On the other hand, I also need to stand up and say, hey, we just did this really great thing. You know, we just replaced 10,000 desktops and only five of you called to complain about it. That's amazing. You know, now you have so much more productivity and you're keeping up with the latest and greatest. That's a great story. And people need to know about that, too. So they need to see the balanced view. We need to be transparent, like John said, on both sides, not just on the failure side, which is what typically happens, um, but also on the success side. And I think people aren't really good at that. I was telling you during break, we actually hired our own PR guy just to rewrite our memos because they were always too technical. We had that person put us in for IT awards. Various magazines have those just to kind of get those successes out there so that council would know, the citizens would know, you know, other people would know what we're doing. So what, in your view, would be a benchmark for a good image for technology organization, Terry? Well, how, how would you say that you are there now, or at least a level which you'd like to sustain? Well, I mean, I would love it if people would say, wow, our IT group produces so much value, I love working with them. That's the ultimate goal. The city wants to, have, wants to be the most livable city in the United States, our city government wants to be the most managed city, and I think what we want in IT is to be the one producing value for the department. Where are we right now? Well, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction. We still have a long way to go, of course. So that said, uh, so John, when you look at the leadership, how can they contribute? Of course, you know, in this case, we are doing some wordsmithing or or getting some professional expertise from a PR person who was hired, in this case, by Terry's organization. But otherwise, working towards image development, 
as being a leader along with your troops, what, what an organization and its people can do so that for the rest of the, the, the overarching organization sees IT in a positive light? I think uh, uh, Terry said something very important is IT people are thinking in code. They're not thinking about how to spin things as press releases. So what you need to do is create a culture where success is seen to be rewarded or celebrated. So that would be, that would, that's the CIO's job to make it known, to be more visible among his or her troops, meet with people regularly, ask about what's going on, talk about the challenges, talk about the failures, talk about the successes. And it's up to the CIO and his leadership, his or her leadership team to celebrate those things. And you can do it internally, you know, maybe create a weekly hit list. Hey, we did, you know, there were, uh, we redu- you know, there were um, uh, five successful launches this week, one hiccup, whatever it is. So people get the idea of, um, uh, of thinking and, oh, yeah, what we do is important. You're never going to change them. They're not PR people. And after, actually, if you use the term PR, you're probably going to turn them off. But if you talk about celebrating the wins because it's a way of putting our best foot forward as a means of engendering respect for the work we do, then that's a different proposition. But that starts really with the CIO and his leadership team communicating regularly and, uh, with his people on a formal and informal basis, just being there as a good leader would do. And that person is the one that trumps your cause, trumpets the cause of the organization and um, puts the best foot forward. So, uh, Terry, so we are uh, at a point where we are uh, doing the best we can and the three areas we spoke about, relationship, politics, and image. Now, we um, perhaps have a duty towards the whole, the individuals who we will be handing over the baton to, that is the upcoming leaders. What would you want to see happen differently for them so that they at least do a better job, relatively better job? I'm sure we did a great job, but how can they get better and how can we groom them for it? Well, I am really working with my staff on uh, crucial conversations. It's a way of talking about things without baggage and getting to that value decision that uh, brings the organization forward. I'm also working with my staff on their communication, Toastmasters, giving them more presentation opportunities, more executive contact so that they can practice that communication. Um, And I also help them with, you know, we run through the presentations together beforehand so that it's at the right level so that they can really express those ideas with brevity but with impact. All right, 30 seconds. Uh, John, what is your message for the next generation of technology people so that they can manage relationship, politics, and image better than what we have been doing? Understand the mission of your organization so that you can deliver on that with the skills and expertise that you have. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Terry and John, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can really benefit if the leaders are able to learn, the IT leaders are able to learn how to manage relationships, politics, and image. Thank you so much again. Thank you for inviting me. Listeners, hope you enjoyed. Uh, Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel.